conversations with Cordates. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Convos with Cordates. Uh, today, we will be talking about um, perhaps a triggering topic for, for some audience members because we will be talking about um, mental health and we'll be talking about um, the invisibility invisibility of mental health as well as the invisibility of some disabilities. Uh, and today, my guest is Samantha Burke. Welcome Hi. to the show. Very excited to be here. Yeah. So um, one of the reasons why I asked Sammy for this episode in particular is because, Sammy, I think you are a really good advocate for other people with mental health. Um, you might not necessarily put yourself as that person. <laughs> and it's funny because we did... Uh, we watched a whole lecture on this of like, you know, women being put into this spot of a spokesperson without necessarily being asked to. And my apologies if that's how you feel I'm doing it. I, I don't I'm, I'm not saying you're a spokeswoman for, you know, and I'm just saying that from my perspective and from the small cohort that we have in graduate school, I like that you really... You have opinions, and you're not afraid to voice them. You know, I I would say I'm. I wouldn't call myself an advocate specifically, but I realized in you know sort of coming to terms with my own disabilities that if I don't start the conversation talking about it, mm -hmm. then nobody will. Yeah. And there have been so many times in my life where. I was struggling silently mm -hmm. and until I heard someone else speak about their issues that I felt very alone and very isolated. Mm -hmm. So having someone else speak up made me feel more comfortable also speaking up and, and making the things that I need for myself known. Mm -hmm. And so having that person for me was really helpful and I guess sort of my philosophy that I'm trying to put for myself is to be that person for somebody else. That's really beautiful. Would you mind sharing what was it about perhaps the specific words that that person said or what was it about them that made you then want to be that person for somebody else? Right. I think because in academia, you know, and particularly in the age of social media in general, mm -hmm. people always put their best foot forward. And so, you know, when they post online or when they talk about what they've been up to, a lot of people will say, oh, I published a paper recently. I'm giving this talk and doing all of these, you know, really amazing things. I took a trip to Bali. Like, it doesn't need to be academic related. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people share things uh, that make them happy. Mm -hmm. And so when you don't feel like you're in a very good place, it can be very isolating to feel like, well, nobody else is struggling. But mm -hmm. that's definitely not the case. Most people have some inner demon that they're battling with, whether it be a disability or whether it be an insecurity or mm -hmm. something else that, you know, having someone to say, look, I'm really struggling today or, um, you know, I was really not productive today. I didn't really get a lot done. Um, to have someone communicate that sort of struggle was made me feel less alone and made me feel like, oh, okay, we can talk about times when it's more difficult mm -hmm. because it is difficult to do, you know, a PhD. It is difficult to be an adult and go about life. Like mm -hmm. nobody teaches you how to do taxes. That's hard. And it, just really mundane things can just feel very complicated at times. Mm -hmm. And so communicating that to other people, I think, helps them feel more comfortable also communicating their struggle. I 100% agree. Uh, I very much agree. Like, I also struggle with different parts of my mental health. Um, and the PhD kind of uh, exacerbated that a lot more because you do feel very isolated. Um, but I guess um, what I'm, I, I guess there's so much stigma against it. And I am... Um, from my perspective, 
that stigma is very much still present in academia because it's like like you shouldn't be complaining you know or I I also hate whenever uh, I mean and I think I put this on myself I can't say that anybody's ever said that to me but in my head and this could also come from my struggles with my mental health but in my head it's like nobody wants to hear you complain you know what I mean Mm. Um, and because of that I tend to shut myself off which makes your mental health struggles even worse it did for me right and it's interesting that you bring up the whole social media aspect because I think in the lowest parts of my life I was still posting on social media I'm a science communicator I still post on social media right I was still going to do the podcasts I was still going to do all of this and and my friends would message me and be like oh my god your life is so cool while I was in bed, you know, after three days of crying, yeah, you know, and it's it's hard for the person who's posting that stuff, but it's also hard for the other people seeing it because you're going to post the highlights. Very few people are going to post what they're actually going through, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I really appreciate that you brought that up because I think it's very important to always remember people are posting their highlights, and and sometimes I would post just to stay relevant or whatever, you know, like I'm I'm not some social media person. So I, you know, I, I can't say <laughs> I, I really would say much. you're better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but like even then, like sometimes I'd post things from months ago. Right. Because it's like, well, I haven't left the house. <laughs> right. There's nothing for me to post. So let me post something relevant to whatever issue I want to bring up in this media post and then use a picture or a video or whatever from somewhere else or completely offline. You know, like, oh, sorry, offline. Um, take a picture from online, you know, p- post a meme, be like, oh, I found this funny, you know, to be like, hey, look at me. I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at memes. <laughs> yeah. And I think particularly um, things like like COVID, um, mm. it's originally like baseline lockdown is very isolating. Mm-hmm. But I think also there's that sense of like collective misery and so yeah. nobody wants to say, well, I'm struggling because they're worried someone's going to say, well, everybody's struggling. Yeah. And I don't think that that should invalidate somebody's experience with their, you know, their disability, their mental health, whatever. Because, you know, I think the problem that I've had brought to me before mm-hmm. is, you know, if I'm struggling with something there are people that say, oh, well, you're, you know, you're middle class and you've, you know, you've got, you can go to university. You don't have to worry about money. You know, why are you, why are you feeling this mm-hmm. way? Why do mm-hmm. you think these, this way? You should be grateful that you're not, you know, a starving child in some other country. Yeah. And I think that that's very, very rude and very, like, I, I hesitate to say ableist, but it is quite ableist to say yeah. that because my my disabilities aren't worse that I should be grateful to have them. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, uh, yeah, um, on the topic of invisible disabilities, um, as a person who goes through that struggle, I just, I, I, I am not a person who struggles with invisible disability, but I learn about it from other people. And... It's really frustrating when you, when I, sorry, when you, when I watch videos of people being like, I parked in a disabled parking spot and I walk out, I don't have a wheelchair, I don't have a walking stick, I don't have any of that. And I walk out and I walk to the store and some white ass bitch Karen comes up to me and saying, you shouldn't be parking in that disabled spot. And it's like, none of your business. If you see I have a disabled sticker, I'm clearly able to park there you know and and then you know the Karens will be like oh well what is your disability what a rude question to ask it's actually illegal to ask in America as you're it not, should be you're not allowed to ask somebody what their disability is by the um, accessibility or the I forget what the it stands for but ADA is the disability mm-hmm. um, legislation in America that protects people with disabilities yeah and um, and this con this actually can be extended into like talking about service dogs as well. Even people yes. that have that visible signal, mm-hmm. um, they still, 
encounter this issue because there are people that game the system, right? Mm -hmm. There are people that are going to take advantage and mm -hmm. think, oh, disabled people have it so easy, yeah, which exactly. blows my mind. But the idea that like, oh, I would love to be able to park in that parking spot. So I'll just borrow my grandmother's car because she has the disabled sticker. Mm -hmm. And personally, that's like, a, that, that's your moral battle that you're going to have to deal with personally. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there are very many disabled people that are asking you Karen this theoretical Karen mm -hmm. to white knight for me yeah you know I, I I think having having those people to you know say that this is wrong mm -hmm. for people to take advantage and game the system mm -hmm. is needed but to attack people you do not know yeah you don't know what their situation is is very very problematic and very very triggering I think for a lot of people to to have that because I I have a lot of issues with confrontation it makes me mm, quite stressed yeah. and so I do worry a lot because of my invisible disability that people will come up to me and have a problem with me yeah. seeking accommodation for something which is not something you should be afraid of to do at all no and not like something that nobody should be afraid of to do and um, like I'm I'm a teacher, right? I teach at universities and the most people that I have met and most people, most um, most younger professors throughout my life that I have met are very accommodating of people's um, what is it in the ELP? like um I'm not familiar with this acronym <laughs> it's 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 an acronym that we use at uni but it's basically a person who struggles with something whether it's a physical disability or a mental health struggle or anything like that and then they get you know an extension let's say on an assignment okay um or a, a specific accommodation when writing an exam right so back I, I've been teaching at unis for a long time. So even back when I was teaching in Canada, it was like some people had um, issues with um, their muscles or their bones or anything like that. So they couldn't sit down to write an exam. They'd have to type an exam, right? Or things like that. Mm -hmm. So all of these accommodations, I feel like you should be able to ask for. You should not have to t say why, um, period, right? But... I have come across, and again, I want to stress how rare it is, but I have come across, let's say, older professors who just see it as a burden on them. You know, who's like, oh, another student who's asking for an accommodation. And it's like, you don't know what their struggle is. And you say it behind their back. But would you ever say that to their face? Like, I want to challenge you to do that. You know, I want you to challenge and go to that student and try and say that to their face. No, you wouldn't because you know, it's inappropriate. Therefore, don't say it behind their back. Yeah, exactly. And also beyond that, I still see even now, even among younger, you know, researchers, there is this pervading belief that academia is very elite and prestigious. Mm -hmm. And so asking for accommodation is like taking an easy way yeah. or, or, or seen as like, oh, well, if you need accommodation, you shouldn't be here, mm -hmm. which is so unbelievably disgusting oh my God. because yeah. it's it's not up to the person with the disability to say, well, oh, I don't need that mm -hmm. because they do. Yeah. It's you'd be shutting out some of the absolute most brilliant minds mm -hmm. to say well because you needed 15 extra minutes on your exam then you're not meant to be here mm -hmm. or because you needed to type the exam you're not meant to be here exactly and it's it's just so bizarre to me that those beliefs still pervade among mm -hmm. other researchers yeah and this was a very big topic actually on twitter quite recently yeah um yeah where people were were talking about how you know accommodations shouldn't need to be given because you have to keep the idea of academia being really like for the top for the best of the best oh my god are we reverting back a hundred years should we also <laughs> perhaps not have women you know perhaps people of color mm -hmm. like what and, there, and it, there's also things like that completely you know there are mental struggles that may impact your ability to you know 
communicate or mm -hmm. or think in different ways. And there is value to have in those w different ways of thinking. But also there's a lot of disabilities that aren't even related to mental, mm -hmm. you know, mental like acuity. What is the word? I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea what that word even means. <laughs> but like, uh, me like mental ability. Mm -hmm. That's the better word, ability. Where like having, um, I have a physical disability and it doesn't impact my ability to come up with scientific questions mm -hmm. and analyze data in any way whatsoever. Yeah. And to feel like, oh, because of that, I shouldn't be allowed is yeah. very strange. Because, so come to think of it, that would, like, I, saying that a person with, you know, a mental or any sort of um, struggle shouldn't be in academia, then it's like, okay, well, then I guess foreign people shouldn't be in academia. I do think that right? there is a very large overlap between the people that want academia to be only in English and oh. the people that have uh, are a bit ableist. There's, I think there's quite a bit of overlap. In that, that is disgusting yeah. because like the f academia thrives on different perspectives, multiple opinions. That's what science is about, right? Con continuously proving or disproving ideas and theories and hypotheses, right? That's what makes science exciting. That's what makes science so um, malleable. And that's how we discover things, right? Like that, that is why I think, I mean, uh, well, when I went into academia, I genuinely, I was just like, I don't know how I could ever go into academia. It feels like everything's been discovered. But that's so wrong because actually there's discoveries every day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it just feels like the big things sure have been, you know, maybe theorized and the theories have been, um, uh, I guess, supported. But then there's a whole bunch of theories that aren't, especially those theories that um, were for the privileged right like so much research back i mean even into the 2000s is based on white males and even further back than that like if you go back to um i, I read this in a book a few years ago so mm. i'm sorry if i'm getting any of the details wrong but um some of the most prominent like early researchers they're part of these societies that you know you had to pay to mm. to be a scientist mm -hmm. you know it there was a paywall there was you know this white male kind of focus mm -hmm. um and it's it's been a, a long hard journey to sort of move away from that but we still have i think quite a bit to go yeah exactly i mean like take charles darwin for example right the father of evolution he became the father of evolution because he had money there was a, a, I mean, I'm proving a point here because I do not remember the other person's name. The person who also, um, like parallel, also thought the theory of evolution alongside Darwin, to which Darwin and him actually collaborated at some point. Gosh, I really am missing his name right now. Um, but Darwin got all of the credit because Darwin had the money. Mm -hmm. And and Darwin had the specimens because Darwin Darwin went on his big journey, right? He was able to afford a boat. He was able to afford all of the resources to go to the Galapagos Islands and show evidence of the theory of evolution, right? Well, my gosh, I'm I'm so sorry that I'm forgetting the other person's name. <laughs> all good, but yeah, it it really does have like and money still kind of I, I think money is probably the biggest privilege yeah and and even within like within different circles so even people with disabilities they either are I think slightly more towards the you know well off able to get treatment kind of side or in America at least there's quite a large number of people with disabilities that are living at or below the poverty line mm -hmm. because in order to receive disability benefits you need to be making less than a certain amount of money per year which is so bizarre yeah and this you know brings into conversation like financial dependence on other people and you know abusive relationships mm -hmm. and it's 
it's very, very prevalent within people with disabilities in America mm-hmm. that they they cannot have a different situation because yeah. of that money gap, that money barrier yeah. to afford those the medical treatments and the you know whatever prescriptions that they may need and mm-hmm. um, you know hospital visits are not cheap by yeah. any means. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very much still an issue even outside of you know what your job is to yeah. just exist with a disability it takes a lot more resources than i think people without disabilities yeah i i do agree and just to go back to something you had said earlier um about uh you know people with disabilities almost having to prove themselves that they deserve to be there more so than a person who doesn't have you know uh, let's say a visible disability or 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 a mental health struggle or anything like that that is very clearly um or, or, or that's visible right um people below like people in that group are always having to prove themselves that they deserve to be there first to gain other people's respect and people who don't show who show, who show that or, or who say anything like that already started at this different level of respect from their peers, right? And I think that that's why so many people are afraid to tell other people of their mental health struggles because nobody wants to be treated differently because yes. of that. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of my own, like, it's something that I've had to come to terms with myself because mm-hmm. I I didn't want other people to make decisions for me mm-hmm. because I find when you have a disability, there's a lot of issues, a lot of times where people will take away your agency. Mm-hmm. And so I I'd kept my disabilities hidden from really close friends, like really important supervisors and mentors, mm-hmm. because I didn't want them to say, you cannot do this based on my perception of your illness. Yeah. Oh, that's so difficult. I mean, that must have been difficult to even to to live with that struggle, right? Because you always feel like, you know, your supervisor is supposed to be there to support you and not telling them the full story from like, let's say if I was a supervisor, I would feel like I'm not supporting that student 100%. Right? But society is telling the student that it's bad for you to share this yeah because yeah and it's it's something I've also had to come to terms with like in terms of seeking accommodation for things because Mm. for the longest time I convinced myself that like I shouldn't seek accommodation because I'm I'm not disabled enough you know I I don't have a a visible disability so Mm. me asking for certain accommodations is going to be um is going to be received badly and I'm going to they're going to say well why do you need this you don't need that and so I would put myself in very terrible positions Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to speak up and say I actually really need a lot of help Mm -hmm. for something Mm -hmm. and it's you know definitely had very large impacts on my relationships with other people Mm -hmm. it's had impacts on um, my own personal health at times and it's, I think, a very common experience of people with disabilities that they hesitate at times to ask for accommodation because they don't want to be treated differently. They don't want to be seen as, you know, as unable to do things. Yeah. So I think that's sort of why a lot of people have the issue with the word disability is that, like, a lot of people, you know, mainly ableist people, carry that connotation that, like, dis- disabled means unable. Right. And there's a very big difference between disabled and unable. Mm-hmm. And also, I think people hesitate to ask for accommodation because they themselves may feel like, well, I could operate without it, mm-hmm. but it makes my life hard. Yeah. But that's not something that I want to put on other people. Why should I inconvenience other people with my disability? Mm-hmm. That's my disability. Oh. And it's it's something that absolutely is ridiculous and absolutely needs to change because Mm -hmm. asking for accommodation doesn't take away from anybody else it's an equity thing right you put yourself you put yourself at now the same level as a person who doesn't have that same struggle 
right? You give yourself that extra step so that you, we're all on the same playing field. It's all about equity. And it, um, like, I, I wish it came as, like, you didn't necessarily have to ask for it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if there is a way around it. I think having the opportunity to say, like, if you ever need to seek accommodation, this is the person or the avenue that you would do to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, making that as a, you know, upfront statement. Like, we have um, for you know, God forbid, if situations of, you know, harassment, we have yeah. up front those pathways of saying, look, this is the, the form that you fill out. This is the way that that's handled. Mm-hmm. But I think it was much harder for me to find ways of getting things that I needed in terms of accommodating for my disability. Right. Because I think those are a bit more hidden because they'll look for people and say, oh, well, she's clearly blind or mm. he clearly needs, you know, some mobility aid Mm -hmm. so we need to accommodate that but for people with invisible disabilities they sort of have to find their own pathway right yeah and even um like filling out those forms can be very invasive yes um as a person who's had to go through um through that because of my mental health it felt very invasive because it's like the people who are going to be seeing those forms they're not doctors Mm-hmm. They're just admin. Yeah. And I had to be so vulnerable in those forms for whom? And also how many people are seeing this? Mm-hmm. You know, how long is it going to be on my record? Oh, is everybody going to have access to these, to these answers, to these reports, to whatever? Like this should not be, it should not be this invasive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think accommodation needs to be considered with, an and perspective Mm -hmm. not a but perspective Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people say well you know we don't want to give them accommodation because that'll give them a leg up and then there's less accommodate there's less resources for other people Mm. it's not that I'm take you're taking something that belonged to somebody else and giving it to somebody else there's not a finite number yeah you know it's it's making sure that everybody has the same opportunity to you know to operate at you know their optimal level Mm -hmm. yeah i agree um now correct me if i'm wrong i'm not sure about the stats and you know i'm not sure i don't know if you know this either but i can imagine people who do go through struggles of invisible disabilities or visible disabilities would like it probably correlates with lower mental health or more mental health struggles i'm not sure about like statistics on on that but Mm. I do I am aware and I think I've mentioned this to you once before where um it's it's a theory called the spoonie theory or Mm. the spoon theory Mm -hmm. um and it's the idea that if everybody had a certain amount of teaspoons worth of energy Mm -hmm. in their day Mm -hmm. that people who have disabilities will use up their spoons much quicker so if, say, everybody had 10 spoons, mm-hmm. I may run out of my 10 spoons by 1 o'clock, whereas mm-hmm. someone who doesn't have the disability could, you know, have those 10 spoons could take them until 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot of more effort and more navigating that people have to do mm. to live in a world that is not accessible. Oh, God, no. So, for example, people who are deaf, you know, that's another, you know, fairly invisible disability you Mm -hmm. don't really know someone just by looking at them Mm -hmm. um and it's very difficult to live in a world that is not built for deaf people Mm -hmm. and so you know to have to lip read i've i've heard from so many people that it's exhausting trying to just make it through a conversation with someone you know over coffee in a busy coffee shop Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it's 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 something that afterwards they just want to take a nap you know it's 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 much more things that they have to think about and things that you know you have to do in order to do the same activity so Mm -hmm. you'll you'll run out of energy you feel more tired you feel more or for me personally I feel more stressed and I I have a lot more things to think about Mm -hmm. because of the way that I have to navigate the world how do you handle that? Do you have um, 
ways to to deal with that? Like, do you like to take days off? Or how do you, you know, try to rectify that struggle? I think um, for me personally, I think making sure that I have time to myself, you know, to sort of check in with myself is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Making sure that I, you know, have the ability to, um, like for my physical disability, to be able to you know, change positions and get, uh, make sure that I'm comfortable. I have, you know, ways to stand up and sit down and things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there, it depends on I, the person. I think it depends on the disability. Um, an example of that would be, uh, for, uh, people with autism or autistic people, they disagree on, there's like a debate about what's the preferred term among people. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. most people like autistic people. Okay. So that's what I'll go with. <laughs> so uh, autistic people have often found that setting uh, a schedule for themselves and an alarm system mm. helps a lot. So mm. um, there's a very uh, really amazing uh, person who is named Chloe Hayden. She's a YouTuber and now a Netflix actress on the TV show Heartbreak High. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has talked about how she sets um, like alarms for herself to know like okay now is the time where I'm or like a list a to-do list of mm-hmm. now is the time I'm going to brush my teeth first and then I'm going to go and brush my hair and then I'll pick out my outfit mm. and things like that mm-hmm. having you know to help with um, sort of the flow of the day having certain types of mechanisms to help get them through what they need to get done can mm-hmm. be really really beneficial right okay what about people struggling with mental health do you know of any um ways to help you know people like that because as a person who struggles with my mental health I have yet to find ways to help me with that I mean other than therapy of course right you, you do learn some tools in therapy that are specific to why you you know in my case anyways that are specific to why I was having the struggles that I was having. And I do, you know, with that realization, that was my tool, the realization. Um, But I would still say, you know, I can go through some really low lows. um, And I, you know, you hear this from like your therapist or, you know, they're just like, okay, we'll try meditation. And it's like, I have, and it just doesn't work. Okay, (laughs) try journaling. Okay, um, I feel silly writing my thoughts down right I think I want to journal I want to so bad but I feel like okay you know how people will come on this podcast and I'm like I do not want to listen back to this podcast because I don't want to hear my voice that is what I feel like with journaling I do not want to read back those words yes (laughs) you know (laughs) um and, you know, and then uh, like other people will be like, okay, well, try mindfulness. To this day, I still don't understand that. I have no idea what that means. And they're like, oh, just be in the moment. And I'm like, but aren't I? Like right now I'm I'm in the moment, aren't I? But uh, yeah. But, and do yeah. you have any advice? Um, for mental health specifically, you sort of beat me to the punch. <laughs> I would say therapy was, was yeah. the really big thing yeah. for me. Um, and... And you also mentioned like having, you know, that that recognition of what is, you know, a diagnosis for many people mm. um, can be very helpful. But actually, one of the very first therapists that I went to, she said, do you want a diagnosis? And I said, I'm not sure. And she said, that's fine. Oh, yeah. You know, because you don't need to have a label on your struggle to mm-hmm. to feel valid. Right. You know, as long yeah. as you are getting the help and the support that you need. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing specifically, is it depression or bipolar disorder or whatever, mm-hmm. unless it's like a medication that you need. Right. Yeah, um, of course. I think, you know, some people find it completely unnecessary to have a name for it. Mm-hmm. And other people find it so relieving. Right. So I think there's definitely a very big spectrum about like, you know, finding the particular cocktail of what what is my flavor of disability. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think... Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I've been trying to, to figure out as well, Mm. I think, because it's so personal, it's so, um, different depending on, you know, what works for your lifestyle. Right. And I, 
personally, I can't do journaling because I am too much of a perfectionist. I want it to look really nice. And if it doesn't look nice, then it bothers me. So definitely don't try bullet journaling. (laughs) No. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I I see those online and they look gorgeous. I I, I love watching videos of them. I can't do it because I, I think about how gorgeous it could be. And then I look at what it actually looks like and I, I, it makes me exactly. sad. And then sometimes like people in the videos are like, whoops, I just made a little mistake, but it's okay. And I'm like, no, those pages would be ripped out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think in terms of just general, general ways that I deal with it, I think being kind to myself and just, you know, thinking about, you know, this is the way that I am feeling. This is the way that, uh, you know, I am perceiving life. This is the way that I'm perceiving myself and other people Mm -hmm. and realizing, I think this is sort of the idea of mindfulness is that it's, it's not necessarily, you know, your feelings don't have to be directly connected to the reality. Like I can feel, Oh, Anastasia's looking at me. Maybe, maybe she's judging, you know, the way that I look. Hmm. I was. (laughs) (laughs) And, and that could be, you know, my personal reality. And Mm. that's, that's a valid feeling for me to have to Mm -hmm. feel, you know, insecure and nervous, but to also have that step back from my immediate emotions and realize, okay, what is the logic behind that? Why do I think that? Mm. What makes me believe that that could be true? And mm-hmm. what makes me believe that that could be false? And it, it's every single, you know, every single thought can be treated like a scientific hypothesis. Mm-hmm. So let's take Anastasia's looking at me, therefore she must think that I, I'm, I'm dressed weird. Mm. And so I can say, okay, well, why might that be true? Well, she's looking at me really intensely, you know? And she's, you know, making, only looking at me, not mm-hmm. looking anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But then why might that be false? Well, she's talking to me. It's kind of important, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of expected that people look at you when they're talking to you. So hmm. having that sort of step back from your emotions and yeah. saying, you know, it's okay that I feel this way, but maybe there's an alternative, alternative reason oh, why, why that might be the case. I I really like that. I'm going to I'm going to practice that approach because being kind to yourself that was one of the tools that I learned from my therapist. I I did really, you know, that it's just like my feelings are valid. It is okay for me to feel this way. That was something that took a while to learn. I don't think I'm still very good at it. I still almost look for validation from other people that those feelings are okay, which I think it isn't a very good good thing because the people can still say something that is not exactly what you wanted to hear and then you'll kind of dig deeper and be like well you see I was right you know I I I am you know pathetic or I am blah 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 you know because they didn't say the exact right things and it's like okay but then you say it to yourself you say those right things and you believe that and it's okay for you to, you know, feel that way and whatever. But um, I really like that giving yourself, you know, multiple reasons for why it could be the way that it is. Um, that's really interesting. I'm gonna have to implement that approach. It is more difficult than it sounds. Mm-hmm. Because you know, when you're in that emotional state, it is hard to sort of step back and say, well, why might it be false? Mm-hmm. When my brain just goes, well, there is no reason. It's it's true. It's absolutely true. Of course yeah. it's true. But, you know, and and that can be something, you know, you can feel it in that moment. But I think it's important to reflect on your day and think. And I guess this is sort of where meditation comes in to sort of reflect on your day and think like, OK, that's something that made me feel not very great. How can I come to terms with it at the end of this day so that I go in tomorrow as a new day and able to continue on living my life? Because that's the mm. whole point of, you know, whatever treatment or um you know, coping mechanism that you may develop. Mm -hmm. It's all to make sure that your disabilities don't hinder you enjoying your life, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like there's people that, you know, have mental health problems and they take medication for it. Mm -hmm. There's people that have those same mental health problems and don't need medication for it. There's people that go to therapy, people that don't go to therapy. And it's all about finding where is my comfort? Mm-hmm. And making sure that I have the ability to live in that comfort. Yeah. So just on the topic of mental health, mm-hmm. there's one particular item that I really wanted to discuss with you. 
um, because we did discuss it just, you know, chatting to us, to each other and to other people. And that's imposter syndrome. Yes. I think imposter syndrome, so many academics have it, right? And it's, it's interesting because like, I, sometimes I'll be like, I have, you know, to, to people who are, I say are not in academia, I'll be like, I, I have imposter syndrome. And I'll be like, well, how, you know, you're, you're in the top 5%, like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, exactly. Sure, I'm in the top 5%. But so is everybody else. Uh, so I'm actually in the 100%. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't want to say that in ac- like, that I'm competing, but kind of right in academia, you are kind of competing because there's only so many jobs available. Um, so you are kind of competing. I, I don't like to be competing. Um, and I typically like I, I, yeah, I, I really don't like the whole competition of, of academia. I, I I see it as very cutthroat um, and it does, it, it favors the people that are very cutthroat. Um, but the the imposter syndrome, it's with so many people that you talk to, right? And I will look at other people who will say like, oh, I have imposter syndrome. And unfortunately, I'm like those people that I talk to. And I, and I think like, wow, really? You are brilliant. You are so accomplished and you have imposter syndrome? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I would say, well, imposter syndrome is something that, you know, you don't have to have a disability to deal with. I think think it's a a separate conversation from disability. Mm -hmm. But there is, I think, a very large overlap of the people who have a disability and also the people that struggle with imposter syndrome. Ah. And and it comes with, you know, that I think those external uh, forces that we talked about previously that, you know, people have, there's this pervading belief that, oh, if you need accommodation, you're not meant to be here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where it really allows that sense of imposter syndrome to fester and to say, well, you know, because I ask for accommodation, I'm not meant to be here. So one day they're going to realize, well, if she didn't have that extra 15 minutes on the exam, she's not, she's not anything. She's Mm -hmm. not worth it. Which like you saying it, Sounds ridiculous. Yes. Like, right? Like, extra 15 minutes, extra week on your assignment, whatever, whatever. It it should not. You should not have that little voice in your head that says, well, that means that you shouldn't be here. Right? Like, just as as an outside person. Mm -hmm. But I very much know what it's like to be in that imposter, like, cyclone. Mm-hmm. you know of being like no but you don't deserve to be here mm-hmm. you know and i think what's interesting to me you know we had a uh, a discussion about imposter syndrome and you know a professor showed up to that discussion mm-hmm. and you look at them and say wow you know you've you've made it by all standards of academia mm-hmm. and yet you're still struggling with this imposter syndrome i find that it happens to a lot of people who are you know at those like higher levels of, um, you know, performance that mm-hmm. they think, you know, oh, well, I've I've made it to the top 5%, but one day I'm now like so high up in the public eye and I'm, I'm, I feel like I have so many eyes on me mm-hmm. that they're going to realize now there's a higher chance people are going to realize that I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, any minute now will be discovered. Is, yeah, anything at any time I'm going to fall down to, mm. you know, being you know catastrophize into wherever your catastrophizing takes you to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so yeah i think i think that it's never something that's going to go away yeah um and it's just something that i think having i think in general having more conversations is really where we're going to see that benefit and be able to deal with it better mm-hmm. i i 100% agree i it really does help to hear professors, like you said, professors who are fully established, who like I admire, say, oh, I struggle with imposter syndrome because I want to hear about it, you know, like, and it goes back to the thing that you said at the very beginning of this episode where just sharing with other people and making like other people feel like they're not alone. And I think the sharing makes you also feel not alone when other people go, I struggle with that too, or I have had moments like that as well. It, 
It makes everybody feel less alone. And it's so frustrating that there is a stigma against mental health or disability. Because like the more we talk about it, the better it gets, you know, because it's it comes into the conversation. But and and we certainly have moved, we certainly have progressed from even I would say 20 years ago, you know, but I think there's still it's almost like a subconscious um, perspective or, or, you know, like, I don't don't know what it, 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 we have the stigma against it, you know, and, and even as a person who struggles with my mental health, and who talks about my mental health, now more openly with my friends or with people that I trust people that I'm I'm more close with and it does help me I still have a stigma against it you know there's still days where I come home and I go I shouldn't have shared that with that person yeah and it's it's something that I find a lot of people with disability have the uh, having disability can feel so isolating Mm, where you know it's it's your problem it's you know things that you're dealing with you don't want to feel like a burden on other people which is ridiculous because Mm -hmm. the people in your life love you and want to be there for you Mm -hmm. and or i mean i would assume most people uh, because yeah hopefully there's definitely you know situations that i don't um i don't want to speak about but like uh you know having having that conversation I think is the only thing that's going to change that stigma because you know when I when I first started seeking you know help for my my own health things Mm -hmm. there was that sense of like oh but you know people are going to judge you for that yeah people are going to people are going to think this about you because Mm -hmm. of that and so I would I would get into this like very small bubble of this is this is my world this is my my thoughts and it can never go outside of this this is my experience and nobody can ever know about it yeah and I just want to say like flat out to anybody who had this thought because I did there is no permanent record of your life mm-hmm. that like is going to <laughs> follow you to future doctors to future jobs you know. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you are forced to advertise. It is not something that is going to be like a sticker on your chest for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So if you need that help in this moment, then seek it out because it's not something that you it's it's nobody's business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if people try to make it their business or if people make you feel small because of what you're struggling with. Um, or, or perhaps you've told them and now they're keep, they're taking it against you. Those are disgusting people that should not be in your life. I, I am such a person that I will just cut people out of my life because why? Because if I'm keeping you in my life, I'm accommodating you. And why do you deserve my, um, my energy that I'm going to give to you? Why? you're 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 a piece of shit (laughs) you know not you sammy obviously (laughs) but that person who is making you feel small and listen sometimes to be fair sometimes those people don't understand that they're doing that so if you have had a conversation with that person where it's like hey when you say those things or when you roll your eyes when i say we i can't go there you know i can't go to that loud concert with you i'm really sorry because i will feel uncomfortable there and they roll their eyes or they go oh well we can't do anything fun or anything like that and you've talked to them and say, hey, that's really rude. It makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, I'm not stopping you from going places. I'm just saying that in this moment, you know, I can't do that. If they are not, are still not understanding, you take them out of your life. They only deserve that one chance and that one explanation. And even then they do not deserve a full explanation. They just deserve to understand your feelings. And if they refuse to understand, they should not be in your life. I am a much less aggressive person than that, but <laughs> I, I I do love that philosophy of being able to you know separate yourself from from other people. Mm-hmm. the The way that I typically go about it is to put them in a situation in, in a position where um, I could help them if they need it because I don't like cutting people out of my life, but mm. they can't hurt me. 
I guess. How, and how do you separate that? Because I don't know if I could separate that. Because mm. I'm a I'm a petty ass bitch, <laughs> <laughs> and like if you hurt me, the last thing I'm going to do is ever help you. Mm. You know, I would say sort of in terms of things like disability, they're not things that I consider a secret, but they are things that I consider private. Mm-hmm. And so for somebody to earn that position of trust mm-hmm. means that they're a good person and they they are able to support me and are able to, you know, be a, a part of my life. Mm-hmm. To the other people that are, you know, not as, you know, not as nice or not as trustworthy, then I can put them into that category of don't need to know. Oh, they don't okay. need to know about those aspects of my life. Right. You know, yeah. I will operate with them in whatever capacity that is needed, mm-hmm. but it's not something that I need to share all of my my more private information with. Do you mind if I ask a follow-up question to that? Sure. Do you then, are you a really good judge of character? And has that, like, have you ever trusted somebody who then broke that trust? Mm. I think because I am very, uh, like, I'm quite introverted, so mm-hmm. I'm I I do take a while to warm up to people, and right. so by that time I think I have sussed out some level of, you know, how how a person feels about certain topics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, you know, I, I've definitely had people in my life do like a 180 you know really and oh that must have been so painful it, it is hard and I I definitely think that it's it's a situation that cannot be avoided mm-hmm, you know because mm-hmm. people grow people change you can't you can't expect them to stay the same forever right um that it's it's just something that you end up having to deal with and I think that's just you know universal human experience mm. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a good philosophy to have. Um, yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't know if I'll be able to ever do that. For me, it's just so easy to just be like, okay, see you later. I and I think there is a there is a um, a, a time and a place for that. Definitely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know there there is you know some some relationships that just fade, and then yes. there are some relationships that are hard, like snip it with scissors right at the source mm-hmm. uh, kind mm-hmm. of relationship and and it's just some things that just need to be done depending on you know what is safe what is healthy for you mm-hmm. I like that yeah exactly I think it's important to put yourself first you know to, to not obviously don't take it to an extreme and like be an asshole <laughs> you know but I think it's important to when you need it the most to recognize that you need that and it's going back to being kind to yourself Mm -hmm. right it's important to put yourself first and to not burn yourself out making sure other people around you are always okay to the point where it is detrimental to your own mental health Mm -hmm. right yeah you can't put out other people's fires while you yourself are burning exactly it's too it's too difficult you'll 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 burn out first Exactly. You solve someone else's problem. And what's that other quote where it's like, don't, don't put yourself on fire for a person who'd never do that to you or something? No, mm. am I just making that no, up? No, I, I know the quote that you're thinking of, but I, I, I don't know the, the full thing. I do collect quotes, but, and that's certainly somewhere in my collection, yeah. but I can't, I can't think of what it is. But it's, it's a beautiful quote. I, um, uh, I, it's, unfortunately, I don't remember it, <laughs> but it was one where I I'm just like you know that's why I think I'm like quite okay cutting people out of my life and but that's the thing like I I will give people a chance if they're like oh you know give me another chance and it's like "Mm, sure but you'll always be at a distance you know you you will never be as close as well we've we've been let's say you know like Because I'm now going to be very weary of that person, as yeah. as I think is, as everybody should, right? Yeah, and and people people with disabilities do need to like you know, be careful about who they bring into their life because the the rate mm. of 
um, domestic violence among people who have disabilities is is much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because, you know, they often have to depend on help from other people, like right. particularly with, you know, very severe physical disabilities, mm-hmm. they, they'll need some kind of assistance in some aspects. Mm-hmm. And having that need to to have another person in your life can can put them in very unfortunate positions um and so it's definitely a privilege to be able to say like well i'll just kick that person out of my life Mm -hmm. but at this at the same time i think if you are able to and recognize that that's the situation at hand Mm -hmm. um then it's always uh i think a, a better decision yeah Definitely. Do you have any general like advice or words that you live by that maybe you can um, share with us today? Um, I would say more in terms of the, the accommodation discussion. Mm-hmm. I think it don't be afraid to ask for accommodation is a really, really big thing. Yeah. You know, I've convinced myself for so many years that you know I'm not sick enough or I'm not um I don't I don't need it or I'm I'm burdening other people Hmm. and coming to terms with the idea that there is no sick enough yeah you experience your life and these are the things that you need and it's totally fine and totally normal to ask for that help and I think that people who are in those, you know, more, especially in a professional setting, like a workplace environment, people are hesitant to ask for accommodation and to ask for help. But actually, I find that that's the situation when it's the most necessary and the most helpful. Mm-hmm. If you are comfortable and you are able to disclose that information about yourself, then I think the benefits far outweigh that you know hesitation to to not want to say anything yeah exactly I mean I think the system should change I think we shouldn't be asking vulnerable people about everything you know that's that's not our business (laughs) not the admin's business just not not our business um but you know definitely advocate for yourself and just on that note if you are a person who's debating whether you deserve the accommodation or whether you should apply for the accommodation speak to somebody that you trust you know and i'm always a person who if if you have that thought then yes you should get the accommodation just straight up if you're already thinking about it you should probably just get it mm-hmm. you know um i i just working in in the uni environment um I have not heard of a person who has applied for, you know, that ELP, that the like accommodation for you. I, I do not know of, of a person who's been declined. Unis, especially now and after COVID, are becoming a lot more understanding um, of that. So if you feel like you need the accommodation, go for it. Yeah, and I am going to say something a little bit strange, but I I do have to sort of thank COVID in a way hmm. because it definitely got people more talking about disability because yeah. um you know with things like long COVID, I I know some people who have been struggling with long COVID mm-hmm. and it it can be a disability in your life, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, we're seeing more people struggling with these um with disability and it's just brought more conversations about public health, more conversations about like immunosuppressed people and mm-hmm. uh, immunocompromised people bringing their voices to the table and bringing their um, their realities into focus, I think has been really, really great to, you know, to have and to recognize. So I think, you know, for those people who are advocating for themselves, advocating for other people, you know, please continue to do so. Please continue to have those conversations when you are able. And it's something that I think will only help in the future and only continue to make life for disabled people better. Because when you do stand up and you do say something, that's when people are going to pay attention. Yeah, exactly. And it shouldn't be just people 
with disabilities and mental health who are doing the advocating. Mm -hmm. I think everybody needs to do it. If you because 100% you either know a person with a disability and or, and or you know a person who struggles with their mental health if you yourself say aren't going through those struggles. So it's really really important. Sammy, thank you so much for being on the show. This was such an incredible conversation. Yeah. Um, I really hope people got something out of this, you yeah. know? And I, I guess sort of I'd, I'd want to direct people's attention to some of the other, like, uh, disabled creators that I know. Please do. Um, so uh, one of the, I think, very prevalent people is uh, Zach Gornfeld uh, of the Try Guys. Mm -hmm. uh, he has... Um, uh, physical disability and uh, has also talked about his mental health very publicly. Um, Molly Burke, we share a last name, which is why I'm obsessed with her. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, I love Molly Burke. Yeah, she's she's been a really great advocate for um, people who are blind and um, in just uh, I also mentioned Chloe Hayden and there's there's so many others that you know are online and willing to talk about things um, within the academic sphere there's a woman named Zoe Iris I don't know how to pronounce her last name mm. but um, she's on Twitter and has like written a book about how to manage your mental health um, you, during a PhD what is the book called I think it's literally called that how to manage your mental health during a PhD okay perfect um, but yeah she's she's been absolutely amazing to, to see her tweets on Twitter um, and so yeah, I would say seek out those advocates and continue to, you know, keep doing your job and keep um, keep fighting for all of us. So it's beautiful. Thank you so much, Sammy. We'll see you next time. Conversations, Conversations. with Cordates. Cool